0: Oh, you started with, and we're off. You stole my line. Sorry.
1: <sighs> I actually kind of play a trick on you there. You did. No, you- I hit, I hit the record after I said, Oh, ah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got to eliminate that line from our vocabulary.
0: We are, we have a call tomorrow with Emily to get a musical intro, which will be just so great for everybody listening and a
1: musical intro. That could be y- your autobiography. Ooh would be a deep autobiography musical intro. Yeah. The Patrick DeVinney's or you know what years? Oh, your autobiography should be. <laughs> oh, and is. we're off <laughs> the Patrick DeVinny story. How I that became would be so good, off
0: in my life.
1: <laughs> that would be a great
0: yeah. autobiography title. And we're off and we're off the Patrick DeVinny story. Would you write the forward for me? Absolutely. Perfect. Based on my confessionals. <laughs>
1: Base, no, I can't do that. That would be Dang. a violation of uh canon law, liturgical law, moral law, yep, yep, divine law. Okay,
0: all um, right. Well, you guess still will do the forward.
1: Can't do it, wouldn't be prudent.
0: Any shout outs?
1: Any shout outs? Um, not off the top of my head,
0: okay. Do you have any? Uh,
1: I'll
0: go shout out to my wife, it's always a safe play. That is a, a safe place. We're going on a baby moon this weekend. That should be exciting. First time to Aspen. Um, our little chance to get. We're talking
1: away about a little place called Aspen. Aspen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that will be exciting. Um, before things. Steph's cruising along right now. Little Gianna's kicking away. Felt the kicks for the first time like a week ago, which is really cool. And, uh, And then we got to start decorating and we won't really be able to leave too much.
1: Your life is going to change radically. I know. I know. in in the best possible way. Totally. But it's going to change radically.
0: We went to, uh, it was, it was so interesting. This is so random. Steph and I've been going, um, I think just with all, we're both advocates of mental health and therapy. Yes. So we went, Mm -hmm. uh, we've been going to just like a counselor, and it was really, it was, it's always funny when I go to those though, like when it's not on my own terms, I absolutely like despise the concept of it, you know, where it's like Steph schedules it and she's like, oh, we yeah, got therapy on like Thursday initiated. night. Yeah. yeah. And that's what happened. And of course it's always because in the back of my mind, I know I'm going to be the one that like has the most breakthrough you know, but I don't, I don't want to go there. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of funny, but we were there last night and it, it really started to hit me. We are diving into like my childhood and it was kind of heavy stuff, but I was like, man, life is going to change and you're dealing with something so fragile. It's so, it's so
1: interesting. I don't, I'm not very good at that. Like maybe no one is, but in the companions, a counselor is not the same thing as a spiritual director; they're they're distinct. That's should be but podcast. there's yeah, but there's some overlap, and I think one of the reasons I have a hard time with spiritual direction traditionally is I think it's hard for me to really just open up and talk honestly and be in—I don't like this phrase—but be in touch with kind of my yeah deeper stirrings of the heart and my soul. Yep, I feel that way in prayer. But I, I probably need to work on that.
0: It's, it's, it is tough. And it's always one of those things. It's like, uh, I think starting out, especially, and now I'm kind of getting, I used to go once a week, no questions asked, blah, blah, blah. A lot of, was eating disorder and mental health, all that whole thing. Sure. But now getting back into, it, it's kind of like going to the gym for the first time. Like you're getting back into it and you, yeah, that's you good hate point. going, but then every time you leave, you're like, damn, that was good. Why do I, why do I hate going? Right. You know? And, and now it's like interesting you know, we go. And as you, if you're going with somebody else, it'd be like kind of like going to confession with Steph in the confessional with me.
1: We talked about that with the companion, not you and Steph, but about people, sometimes people ask for that and you can't do it, but I'm taking your off. Oh, point.
0: that's interesting.
1: Yeah. You're not allowed to do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I feel like when we sit there on this little red couch with our lady, it's, it's kind of that way. She's like, we <laughs> we were, uh, we are so off topic, but we were sitting there last night. Long story. So this is what, when you just said like, Thinking about the responsibility with Gianna and and how to raise her as a a family and blah, blah, blah. But I was like describing some stuff just in life. And the therapist looked at me and goes, what was going on when you were 12? And right away, like I've done enough therapy. I was like, ah, damn it. Yeah. I don't want to go there. I've been there. Don't want to go. But I knew it was super helpful. And she was basically like, she heard something I said that was like typically around the age of 12 that's kind of where you'll see if something was off and that's where my parents were divorced. My mom was no, like getting remarried. Okay. So it's like super. And like out of the corner of my eye, I just see Steph like looking at me <laughs> being like, where did this come from? And I'm like, yes, yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack in those early days. Did years. you tell the yeah,
1: therapist Patrick, that's when you were into DMX? <laughs> Shout out DMX. Shout out DMX. Gosh. May he and he, he passed. I yeah, mean, rest in peace. He, I really don't know anything about DMX except that he was a rapper. Yeah. And may he, may he have <laughs> eternal beatitude. We pray for everyone to have He DMX
0: to me for all the wrong reasons, but just like growing up with sports, mm-hmm. I was like, he was kind of at like my pinnacle of diving into sports. So like junior high, and then into high school and then even into college, but it was always sure. your pump up songs.
1: What, is there a song he has that I would recognize? i <sighs> <laughs> you, yeah, you going be careful. Fifth. I'm gonna take the fifth.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna stay way far away from that. I'm sure if we played some, you'd be like, oh yeah, I know it. Um, they're definitely not PG. Thirteen or any <laughs> of them.
1: Um, any however,
0: he was like the classic. You would for sure if you went to any high school basketball game or a warm up for anything. They you know had the sure. blanked out version. Um,
1: the, edited the edited family family right, version
0: where half the song is just you literally just silent. <laughs> sure, but anyways, so. That's been my week. Thanks for hearing my therapy confessional. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Today so yeah, we. Gianna.
1: Oh yeah, Gianna. So today, folks, one of the things we we were kind of thinking about. I actually think it plays well into the going to to therapy. Yeah. Which, by the way, I think I do want to advocate that, even though sometimes I have some questions about the origins and the philosophical underpinnings of modern psychology. Yep. I do think, you know, people have a stigma right around going to therapy. Yep. And I think it's really healthy oftentimes for people to get over that. Totally. It's, I, I haven't really gone. So maybe I'm going to be the first one who goes. I went a little bit in when I was in seminary. Yeah. I had a, um, a staff counselor and she was great. Uh, Dr. Christina Lynch. But I should probably go. I have friends who go. And I think there's something really humanly good. There's, there's some philosophical questions, but probably we don't want to go there now, but this leads into, I think in a, in a good way, what Patrick and I wanted to kind of talk about today is somewhat the perfectibility of humanity. Is that possible? And what prompted me to think of this was uh, we have, we've had more shootings uh, this week. There's one, I, I think it was just one in Minnesota. Yep. I'm not the most in-depth current events person.
0: Which but, after last podcast is probably good. It means you're staying out of the news.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. But the, uh, I can't remember what our last podcast was about. So we,
0: we touched on that one. We did.
1: Okay. Staying
0: away from. That the, is the good. I, yeah. News so much. Why, why scripture and the time of what's happening in the world? Oh uh,
1: yes, that's correct. Yeah. Very good. The, but listening to, the, there's another shooting in, in the Twin Cities. And I forget if it was the, the mayor of that city or the governor of Minnesota or what it was. But someone came out and kind of said, this isn't just inevitable that bad things are going to happen. We can fix all this. We we can, can you know, make things right. Uh, and for, there was something about the way I heard the quote that just made me think, can we really do that? And I think there's a tension that we want to get to today about striving as Christians, as men and women in the modern age, to make the world as best as it can be and to bring it under the reign of Christ. But at the same time, I think we need a sober realization that it's a fool's game to think that we can set things right apart from God. Yep. And the idea, and I think whenever you look at history, whenever human beings really think that they're the ones who are going to make everything as it should be and set things right, it actually makes things worse. And I think you know NT Wright has a great quote about this, where he says it's folly for us to pretend that we can do by our own efforts what God has promised to do through His church and by His Spirit, something like that.
0: Yeah. But which, I, okay, I think there's several things we need to do. One, if you can give an overview of the concept of original sin and like how we how we got there. But two, um, I always find it it's always so interesting, especially being we always point back to like why we started this podcast but it's so easy when you when you're walking around anywhere now and you say you're catholic instantly you're like judged right you feel this judgment a little bit of like you feel the judgment because people assume that because i'm catholic i'm judgmental and that i have you know these rules of life and blah 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 mm-hmm. But in a, in a way, it's, you know, and there it's always like Catholics are racist or blah, blah, blah. Like all these weird stereotypes. Yeah. Um,
1: it's, a, it's a fad right now.
0: It is. But I think what's so interesting about it is literally if you read the Bible and the teachings and what God actually says and Jesus says mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying, that is the way out. The minute people start manipulating and trying to get in and trying to, you know, world peace and like blah, 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 ego get involved and all that kind of stuff that, you know, those are the things you go to confession for yeah, that we, are so hard to live. But it is the fundamentals of Catholicism.
1: There's a lot of arrogance out there right now. And, then, and again, this isn't new to human history. Right. But there's a lot of arrogance that says, oh, we know better. And, and this has been pointed out ad nauseum. I I think, mostly conservatives. But there's kind of this, I like to call it chronological snobbery. Ooh, nice. That could be a band name. That is, that's your... That own could be biography. my <laughs> biography <laughs> title. Chronological snobbery, the FBL story. That's right. So chronological snobbery means, and I Chesterton might have used that phrase, I forget. But uh, chronos is one of the Greek words for time. I mean, I always think of that with I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before with the Incredibles first Incredibles movie when Which they're
0: I love, but I,
1: I love the Incredibles, yeah. but when he's, he's hiding from the, like the probe that the bad guy sends out to go find Mr. Incredible. And he's hiding in that cave.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And he looks and all of a sudden all these things line up and it says Kronos.
0: That's right. That's,
1: That's right. just the Greek word for time.
0: Oh, so, interesting. so in
1: the new yeah. Testament there's, there's Kronos is just one minute after the next Kairos, I think that's the retreat name at Holy Family and a lot of other places you've heard of Kairos. That's
0: right. funny. Steph and I, yes, I, I think I have issues with it, but yes.
1: Yeah, so Kairos is, is a Greek word for, it's another word for time, but it means a sacred time or an appointed time. And so for instance, in Galatians 4.4, 4, uh, St. Paul says that God in the fullness of Kairos sent his son to, born from a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law but he uses the word kairos interesting so okay. god didn't just pick a random chronos or one random minute but he chose a proper sacred time in which he sent his son
0: wow crazy
1: i don't know how we got on that
0: uh well i had asked about <laughs> let's touch on original sin and then the concept of
1: Oh, chronological snobbery. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. So chronological snobbery just means that we just tend to look and be very judgmental of previous ages. Yeah. And we just think we're better than other people because we live in the present moment. That's chronological snobbery. Drives me crazy. Uh, And right now, I think there's a tendency in our culture to be very judgmental. Totally. And things that came in vogue a hot second ago... All of a sudden, everyone who hasn't seen that in all of history is a terrible person okay. and to be banished with Attila the Hun.
0: Yep. Nice. And so yeah. um, okay. I'm kind of rolling today. I'm like, yeah, like, you are. You're yeah. on fire. I'm, trying I'm on to fire with you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the Starbucks. Um, let's touch on, though, the concept of the original sin and and how that kind of Good. plays into what we're talking.
1: So that's what we were talking Patrick and I were talking briefly beforehand that the modern world denies original sin. And so, let me ask you, throw it back in your court, big dog. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, what when you hear original sin? How would you how would you explain that to someone? Uh, I was talking with one of our RCIA folks this morning, and I think they would actually know this. But you know, if, if someone doesn't know what original sin is, how would you explain it to them?
0: That's a deep question. Um, oh, where would you go with this?
1: This is that part where you answer.
0: I, yeah, well, I'm trying, I mean, there's so many different ways I want to go with this. I mean, do you start with like this concept of, and I, and really when I first sat down with you, that was kind of the big question of like, I was born into this broken world Yep. and I'm, as a baby, I step out, like I, you know, I'm born into this world and I'm instantly trying to. I'm a, I feel like I'm a pawn in this game between
1: one. You've got the uphill the battle, right? Yeah. So that's a good way to, to talk about it. So, uh, <clears throat> so I think the key thing, I think most people out there, Yeah. when they think of original sin, they, they think that it's just Adam and Eve. It's, it's original cause it's the first, right? Okay. And so Adam and Eve committed the sin and that's true. But the truth means something much more than that. And we talk about little Gianna is going to have original sin when she's born.
0: Right.
1: What does that mean?
0: That she was born into it.
1: Yeah, she's like, born into it. Yeah. yeah, but what is that? Born into what?
0: Into a broken world.
1: Yeah, and she's born into a broken world. And this, and this is, I think, where it's confusing for people. And this is why it's so important for this discussion, I think. When you have people like this governor of Minnesota, and my apologies if I got that wrong. When you have people, and they get this idea that... We're so awesome. We can fix everything apart from God. That's foolishness. Yeah. The only one who can really make all things right is Jesus Christ. And there's, there's a song we used to sing when I was in college. The Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, the CFRs used to sing this song a lot. And it was very simple. I still remember the guitar chords. I can still play it. I'll play it for you later. But there's a song and it just repeated, we have a hope in Jesus. And that would repeat a couple times. And then it would say, that all things would be well, that all things would be well, that all things would be well in the Lord. And I remember that song filling with such hope when I was this college kid, I was at CU Boulder, Alicia talking to her. Yeah. She was asking me today. She said, when you said CU is the most Catholic place on earth, are you serious? (laughs) We had a great conversation about no CU Boulder's, can be a very anti-Christian, specifically anti-Catholic place. Yeah. But but when I was a college kid at CU Boulder, we would go down to these praise and worship nights at the seminary. And that's one of the songs they used to sing. And I just remember my heart longing for that all things would be well. Right. The God, God, that you would make all things well. And I love that song. Gosh, I want to play that for you right now. But I think this is what the modern world, everybody longs for that. Everyone longs for, and I think so, even with the, the movements that I might disagree with, like Black Lives Matter, I have real issues with Black Lives Matter. Uh, not of course with the phrase, but with the organization. But underneath that, right, there's a hope that all of us share, I think, that that everything would be as it should be. We just kind of the devil's in the detail sometimes of well, how do we make it that way? And what would it look like if all things were as they should be? Because some people think all things would be right if none of us had had genders or um, if there were no real rules of morality. And for me, that sounds like a nightmare. Totally. That sounds like H E double hockey sticks.
0: So I guess my question, like when you asked, how would you describe it? And I think that initially, but I wanted to possibly go deeper. Is Of course you'd want to say Adam and Eve. But yep. I also look at it as it's says before that, it started with the battle between, you know, Lucifer fell, fallen angel. The angels fall first. Yes, and and when I look at that, I'm like, okay, that the start of that is what then tempted Adam and Eve mm-hmm. in the garden, all that kind of stuff of where, <clears throat> you know, how, how deep do you want to like try to go into that? But could you say that original sin started back then? Or is, would the church say it, it is Adam and Eve?
1: We really mean Adam and Eve because we're talking about it. I mean, you could talk about the first sin really is that of Lucifer. And the church believes that that's prior to Adam and Eve's sin. And that's, that's clear from the biblical accounts because Adam and Eve are being tempted by Satan. And, and you can't tempt someone to evil if you're in a perfect state of grace. Got it. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, So then on the flip side though, I mean, I think that's where it's, um, it is interesting with, when you have humans, people thinking that it's kind of like it's, it's a subjective answer, not objective, right? Like everybody has their own perspective. Follow me. I'll lead the way. Like this is how we're going to solve these issues through these laws, through all this kind of stuff. But you're always kind of having this consistent tug of war between good and bad, Yeah. but everyone has their own definition of good and bad.
1: Yeah. Well, I think even in the church, I think there's a danger with this where <clears throat> so oftentimes, because we want this so bad, I want this too. There's, there's another example I would use. There's a Christian artist I like named Andrew Peterson, and he's, he's a little dated, I think, now. But he's great. He, I, he's a singer-songwriter, and he has a song called After the Last Tear Falls. And it's, it's all about when you really wrestle. I think some of us haven't really wrestled with evil in the world and how awful it is. But once you have, there should be this desire of, gosh, imagine what if, what if the last tear had fallen? No more tears. Interesting. And he has a powerful song, but he he talks about like some of the the really dark things in our society. He says, uh, after the last, this marriage is over. After the last young girl's innocence is stolen. Uh, After the last young husband sails off to join the war. Makes me emotional thinking about this. Right. Those are those are powerful things. And all of us and in our current cultural moment all of us could agree we would love to see less violence. Right. After the last police shooting, after the last person resists the police, after after the last broken home, after the last drug addiction. Yep. Wouldn't it be wonderful? but I think what I want to call people to, and this is where it relates to original sin. There's also an extreme we can push to where we say we can fix this by our own means. And so, so let's get back to original sin though. Cause we still haven't really defined that. Yeah. So the church understands original sin. When we say little Gianna has original sin, right? You're you and staff when Gianna wakes you up at three in the morning and she's crying and she has a poopy diaper can we say poopy on the I hope so? Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then I start crying and
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. You're not gonna pick up Gianna at three in the morning and say, Gianna, you little sinner.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But we say that baby has original sin. And here's what we mean by that. So Gianna isn't really, we don't mean actual sin in the sense of she chose to do something wrong. Yep. She chose like when when Gianna needs a diaper change. She's not choosing that. She's a baby. Yep. She's she just is doing what babies do, right? Babies eat and they poop. and they cry. Yep. That's what they do. I have great expertise on this, by the way. As a pastor of Our Lady
0: of Lords. You're hired. You will be the babysitter. Yeah, I'll be the babysitter. Perfect.
1: My first one more. Here's a here's a shout out. My niece Clara Jane. Yes. I was the first person to ever babysit her. Claire Jane, I think she, she she's 14 now. She's about to turn 15. Freaks me out. Yeah, it's crazy. But I did. I was her first babysitter ever. If I'm correct about that, I'm pretty sure I am. And I had to do a diaper change. I was in the seminary setting for priesthood. And I was like, I have no idea how to do this. I don't know how to change a diaper. And so I went for it, changed the diaper. Well, Sean and Melissa, when they came home from their date night together, it was so hard to change that diaper. I was thinking, this is impossible. Who designed this thing? Yeah. These people are crazy. Well, I got they got back, and I had put the diaper on backwards. Nice. And Melissa was like, how did you do this? <laughs> That's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you thought uh, seminary was hard.
1: Hey, I bet you're going to do that, by the way.
0: Luckily, I, I've, done, I've changed a diaper before. I did have a similar my experience my first time. I'm hoping to improve.
1: Okay. Improvement on the horizon. That's right. But what we mean by original sin point being is that original sin means something wrong. That's all it means, but not with the external world necessarily. Although that is also true. Romans chapter eight would tell us that sin. And let's read that passage. This is a great passage. Uh, in Romans chapter eight, which is a very famous kind of uh, chapter in the new Testament. There's a lot there. Um, in Romans eight, St. Paul is going to talk. He's going to use the language of Genesis three. And so he says this, he says, uh, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are now worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And here's the key. So verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was made subject to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope. So here's, the, here's what Paul is referring to here. That word futility. There's a place in Genesis where that word is prominent. So what, it, what, it, what Paul is referring to here is in Genesis three, God curses the ground because of Adam's sin. Oh, Okay. So, and actually I'd have to look if it uses the word futility, but in Genesis three, God curses the, he says, curse is the ground because of you. And by the sweat of your brow, will it bring forth thorns? Hmm. And so there's going to be this work that Adam's going to be doing in the world, but it's going to be futile. And so creation shared in the curse of the fall. And so Paul goes on here. He says in verse 21, because the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious freedom of the children of God. So we still haven't gotten to original sin quite yet, but we're almost there. So, so Gianna is going to be born into a world that's shared in the curse of Adam and Eve. Yep. And we see that that's obvious. Pick up a newspaper. Look around you. There's droughts. There's hurricanes. There's disease. We have coronavirus. Something changed when, when humanity fell from grace, the whole world was affected by that. And that's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter eight. And he's saying, he says that the redemption at the moment of the new creation, somehow, and this is a very interesting topic, somehow the world is going to share in the redemption that Christians will have in Christ. Okay, but when Gianna's born in the world, the problem is not just out there. And this is what we mean by original sin. Yeah. The problem in my life is not out there. The problem in my life is inside of me. And so what original sin means is that something's wrong with us. Something's wrong with me. And and the church generally thinks of this. Three things happen with original sin. So your soul has three powers. Do you remember these? Sort of. So how do you, uh, how you know things is your in, mm? intellect, intellect, right? That's how you know things don't ever come on a podcast with me. Yeah. Your intellect, your will is how you choose things. Okay. And then St. Augustine went throw the memory in there, but I like to, to do this with intellect, uh, will and your passions. And that's one way to kind of talk about your soul's powers. So you have a way of knowing things, which is your intellect, a way of choosing things, which is your will. We talk about willpower.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And we have passions And your passions, right? Think of something that's active versus passive. You don't choose your passions. You, you actually can, but, but initially at least there are things that you just feel. Yeah. Sometimes I feel fear. I didn't choose to feel afraid. I, I just felt it or I feel hope or I feel hunger or I feel anger and sometimes we just feel those things. We didn't choose them necessarily. So what we mean by original sin is this. So you're, we believe that when Adam and Eve fell, something happened to us. And so our intellects are darkened. We don't know things as clearly and as luminously as we should, as God designed us to. It still works. Our intellects still work, obviously. And our will is weakened. Yep. And, it, and we all, if, if you've lived more than about 10 seconds, you know that your will has been weakened. Yeah. There's things I know I should do. And there's things I am like, boy, I should really go do that. Yeah. Well, guess I'll just sit on the couch, have a beer. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. Totally.
0: <laughs> totally.
1: So my intellect is darkened. My will is weakened and my passions become disordered. So there's, there's movements of my soul where I just, I don't know why this happens, but there's things I desire that I just shouldn't desire. Have you ever had that? Yeah. Glad sure. you're able to admit it. I always joke in RCIA, whenever I talk about disordered passions, talk to Ryan or whoever, and everybody just looks at me like, I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, not me. Never had that. I read about that once. What's that? What's that feel <laughs> like, FB? Totally. No. Yeah, we have disordered passions. We have things that we desire that we shouldn't desire. Yep. And so Giannis, to bring this full circle. What's wrong with the world? We have these politicians sometimes who say... We should, I think a vacuum's going. We had a, which is fine. We had a, when I was in high school, we had a professor, mom, cover your ears, uh, who, or a teacher, who you could only use the word suck if there was a vacuum present. Nice,
0: nice, nice.
1: (laughs) But anyway, so politicians, they want to fix the world. We want to fix the world. We want a world where there's, there are no more divorces. There is no more hatred. There's no more violence, which is a great thing. We should all desire that. The question is, how do we get there? And politicians tend to say, well, if we make better laws and I'm not against better laws, I'm not against that, but I will say you'll never solve that problem apart from God because the real problem is not our laws. The problem is, is that something's wrong with me. Right. And my soul has, my intellect isn't as, clear as it should be. My will is weakened and I desire Something's wrong with me. Totally. I desire people's harm sometimes. Right. And if, and you can't fix that problem by passing a law in Congress.
0: Well, I think we we've seen that all of history, right? Like any law that's ever been out there, it's why people are in jail. Like it doesn't, it obviously you define something great, but pointing back to what you're saying, if your will, you don't, obey the speed limit or you whatever it might be, insert any law. Right. It doesn't change anything. Your life's going to could change based on your decision. Right. Fine. From society standards. But I think time and time again, I think that's what's scary, especially as you know, with all the movements that God is not a part of the conversation. Yeah. It is very much the passions of people that I think they they want something good. Mm -hmm. But with all these movements, again, it points back to they are advocates of a certain thing, transgender or whatever it may be, any of that kind of stuff, any law, you know, defund the police or whatever it is. And they're pushing their agenda. Yeah. But it's never, it has never worked that way. Like it doesn't ever get solved. And unfortunately now I think what's so disheartening is you look at people that our politicians that the minute they try to bring in God or some sort of like resemblance of it, like I look at, you know, the guy that always kind of gets beat up right now is Rand Paul, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to like the transfer. He's the one that's like willing to push because he knows something's he's, hot.
1: He's got some courage. He does.
0: But he has tremendous courage. But it's unfortunate that every time he his name gets brought up is because of how he's the one pushing back yeah he's not afraid to say those things but it's too bad that of all of uh out of all the politicians he's kind of the you know there's there's more than just him but it's on the rare side and they get beat up all the time he probably needs security around him 24 7 right versus the other guy that's like yeah no this this shooting wouldn't have happened if we had better laws Right. But then on the flip side, at the same time, that video came out in New Mexico. Did you see that? No. The police officer that was killed. Uh, I didn't see this. Routine. It's gnarly. There's dash cam um, of it. And it it happened, I think, at the end of um, 2020. But like the video is just being released now. And it's kind of like just making headwaves. I think it came out maybe a day before the shooting in Minnesota. Right around the same time, a police officer pulled over someone for having too dark of tint in New Mexico and he approached the car on the passenger side. They were on a highway and he, at, the guy was kind of acting shady a little bit. So we asked the guy to get out of the car. Well, as the guy gets out, he has an AR 15 and pulls it up from behind the truck and just unloads. Oh my gosh. And the police officer never even pulled his gun, like anything and apps like police officers killed. And then the guy runs over him and then, to make sure he said, fires more rounds and then drives. And then they end up catch up. I think he was killed, uh, but he was like, he's a well-known drug dealer, huge criminal history, all this kind of stuff. So then now you're in this weird tug of war that no one really wants to acknowledge of like how scary it is to actually... I could not think of a worse job right now than being a police officer.
1: Yeah. I mean, people say it right and left right now, but who would... Who would go to be a police officer right now?
0: Which is horrifying. I mean, yeah. and you're looking at things, you know, and they're trying to pull out. Uh, I was kind of talking about with Steph the other day. I was like, in my high school, we had a gigantic high school in California, and we what had what was the name of your high school? Granite Bay. Granite Bay. Granite Bay that High. That
1: sounds like a Eddie Bauer brand or something. Yeah, like it
0: felt like it too. Granite it's Bay. Kind of <laughs> a Real Housewives of Granite <laughs> Bay. Um, but our our like. Uh, I forget what you call them. Not dare officer, like they're uh,
1: the school police school officer. Police we officer. had one of those too.
0: Yeah, he was an off-duty SWAT team member. Like I'm so oh, friends wow. with him. Like, and then senior year, I got to go. uh, You got one day to be a teacher or kind of like follow a teacher. Mm-hmm. Why asked him? So I got to do this like crazy SWAT training. It was the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire life. But. I look at it now and now they're pulling those guys off campus and there was another shooting in Kentucky or Tennessee, wherever it was at a school and all this stuff that you're just like, man, it is scary to think what the world would be like if you don't have police. And I'm sure there's an argument on both sides. I get it. But when we tried to solve it to your point without God involved, it really creates a very scary dynamic across the board.
1: Well, we deal with, I think one of the things that happens here is we deal with symptoms. Yeah. But we don't want to address the real problem. Right. And I think this can happen just in politics. And I do want to say also, I think this happens on the right as well. Totally. I think for instance, you know, I think there are problems like, like one of the sins on the right. Sometimes and it could be on the left of course as well is love of money. Avarice. Yeah. And there's, there's sometimes there's this idea if we just deregulate everything, that everything's fine, and I, I'm i more of a fan. I'm kind of of the Ben Shapiro mold. I don't have faith in our government, yeah. I just don't. I think, uh, I think that it's a tower of Babel. Human beings build these towers, and this we could get to this maybe today, but maybe not. But one of the ways the original sin is shown in the Old Testament is the way that the Genesis narrative builds from Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve fall, up to Genesis 11 where there's a tower to a city that is built in rebellion against God. And I just don't, I think we do that. If we try to build things that are not rooted in God, they're going to lead there eventually.
0: Why, why is there, this is a rookie question, but why is it the separation between church and state? Like if, when it sounds like if you insert church, (laughs) that is the only way out. And and the state, or the you know the government, the politics, all that kind of stuff. Like, there's so much. I think self-centered. You know, what's the true intention of somebody that wants to become president of the United States? Is it because they really want to make a change, or is it because they aspire to be on the cover of New York, whatever it is? Um, sure. But why does the church take that stance of we don't we don't get involved in those games?
1: I just want to tell you right now, we're 37 minutes into the podcast, and you just asked me about the separation of church and state. That's right. (laughs) That's a huge huge question. (laughs) (laughs) That's a huge question. I'll give one quick comment on that. The, The church, on one hand, believes that all truth is of God, and so it's one, so they ultimately can't be separated. But we've learned also Pope Benedict has great reflections as always on these kinds of things. He has a great little book, again, not an easy book. I don't recommend easy books. I'm sorry. But there's a little book he has called uh, values in a time of upheaval that are reflections on political philosophy. It's a very good, short little book, but it's very, it's philosophically dense. But one of the things he says in there is he says, if you have a population that is homogenous in terms of its religiosity. So if we lived in a country that was 98% Catholic, you can have more laws that are more in line with church teaching. Okay. But if you don't, if you, if you have a country like ours that is pluralistic where we have, you know, the, the stats would say like a quarter of America is Catholic, which isn't really true. It's probably more something in, or maybe it's a quarter of Christians are Catholic. I forget, but it's a small number. But we have Christians, we have atheists, we have Muslims, we have Jews, we have Buddhists, we have Hindus. We have all kinds of things, right? Benedict, I love this. He says, when that happens, we can't, you know, we don't want to like a God's prohibition against adultery in the Sixth Commandment. To me, everyone knows that's wrong, but do I want the government to enforce that?
0: Totally. Okay.
1: Or, Or teaching, for instance, we believe as Catholics in the Sunday obligation. Yep but I don't think the government should be enforcing Sunday obligation. Right. Yeah. So the Catholic idea is that in a pluralistic society, at least, and even in a more homogenous society with everyone was Catholic, there's still danger to letting the government and the church be too closely aligned. But certainly in a pluralistic society, the baseline becomes reason because if you're a Buddhist, guess what? You have rationality if you're a catholic you have rationality if you're an atheist you have rationality and so that has to become baseline pope benedict shows this marvelously in lots of different places but and that's that's where the church would say you know people say to me all the time hey abortion leave religion out of politics abortion is not a religious issue it's a rational issue right if you deny that a child has a right to life you have become very irrational and there's no place to really rationally say that a child's life begins except at conception. If you put it anywhere else, it's completely arbitrary. It's completely arbitrary. So that's not our topic today, but <laughs> there you go. That's, that's, that's a little at least shot across the bow about state and government. and Separating or, them. Separation. Separating church and state, right. is more of an enlightenment idea. Okay. Uh, so that's not an, an ancient Jewish or Christian idea. It's an enlightenment idea. But there's, there's legitimate questions about, you know, in, in ancient Israel and in the scriptures, you have a homogenous society. Everyone's Jewish. Right. You don't have the modern pluralistic state where there's 30 different religions or lack thereof. Totally. Right. And so in that kind of a society, to respect people's freedoms and, to, and the way God does, God respects our freedom. He doesn't force things on us. He does command us, but he leaves it to our freedom to choose to obey or not. And so the the government, you know, the church has really grown to see this and understand that you have to operate out of reason and natural law.
0: So then if you were in Minnesota and you were there live, or you're sitting at the table with the governor, whoever it was, um, what would have been your response then? So like, obviously, okay, it's not the law, but what would you propose
1: so depending on the I don't know this guy if he is a Christian or not. But let's say he's not. Yeah. Which would be, and even if he is a Christian, there's there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians today who I can't see their hearts, don't know their souls. Totally. But it seems that they don't really give a rip what Jesus teaches. They just yeah. call themselves Christians. So let's just assume that's not an assumed shared value of the Christian faith. The way I would talk to this person is I would say, let's look at root causes instead of symptoms. And so Robbie George, who's a very famous Catholic, who teaches law at Princeton, he's very good at this as he says, we know just by sociological studies, you really want to help poor people? Okay, and, he, and he's more of a right leaning, he's a Republican, he's a conservative thinker. Robbie George would say to all of his colleagues in Princeton, like other major colleges, is very liberal. And he writes in one of his essays I read probably a year ago, he says, all my liberal colleagues talk all the time about poverty and how much they care about poverty. And you people on the right don't care about poverty. And Robbie George writes and he says, you guys say you care about poverty? We know for a fact, the number one causal factor of poverty in the United States is people who are single mothers. We know it. Indisputable fact. And he says, if you actually cared about poverty, you would actually care about the family. Wow. But you don't, because you care about, you want to look good publicly. And so, so I think this is one of the big differences politically and just, yeah, just politically in our culture. I tend to think this way. I think everyone, no one wants everyone, people to be poor. Maybe there's some maniacal evil person out there who wants poor people. Right. And there certainly are people who love money too much for themselves. But I think if you ask people, I think genuinely close to everybody would say, no, we don't want people to be poor. We don't want people to live in poverty. The question though is how do you do that? Yeah. And I think people on the left, I think they deal with symptoms. They don't deal with root problems. And they say, let's just let's just pour money at this. Yep. And this is overly simplistic, of course, but I think that is generally true. People on the right can do the same thing, but this is what I would say to this guy in Minnesota is if he says, hey, we've got to fix the problem with police violence. I would say, Hey, if, if there's laws out there that can be better about police kind of, I don't know, training and questions about rooting out kind of bad at apples and police academies. I'm not opposed to that. I that's fine. Right. But I would say it's hypocritical for you to try to deal with this. If you're not dealing with a much larger problem of the family. Yep. If you, if you're not raised in a home with a dad, the odds of you, having problems with the law. I don't have the stats at my fingertips, but they skyrocket, like not even close. They, are, they astronomically start to go off the charts. And so if we really want to f- fix problems between crime and the police, and these, these different issues of poverty, the real issue is the family. And so I would go there before I even go to God, which I think is the ultimate route, but if someone isn't a Christian, it's hard to say, hey, let's, let's, let's talk about Matthew 19.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Talk about original sin. Um, does
1: that make sense though? No, it does. And I think with, like, with Gianna and your family, regardless of if you guys do things perfectly or not, which you won't, but Gianna's going to be born into a home where mom and dad love each other. Right. And where she's been loved from the moment you found out you had her. And regardless of if you do it perfectly or how well you do it, she already has the odds stacked in her favor because she's being born into a place that is proper for the raising of a human being.
0: Which is the fascinating part, again, as as I started to learn more touching on that, would be what the church teaches about marriage and dating and sex and all those things, how we're, it's the hierarchy of like, how are you building that foundation that I think gives you the most success, the chance of success when it right. comes to raising that family. And I'm like kind of reflecting as you're saying this right now. And I have zero stats for this. This is just my own life experience. But I think it is very interesting when um, I've been watching. There's a show on Netflix <coughs> called Last Chance to You. And it's about these junior college athletes trying to make it to like division one or make it to the NFL. Is it about, am I in any of the episodes? Yeah, you're not, you're not, It was um, just wait for it right after your time. It's you. Um, and, but it, there's a very common theme in a lot of these guys that didn't, it, most of the time you end up in junior college for athletics because you don't have the grades or you got in trouble. Um, and you're not going to uh, D1 school, a Stanford, a CU. Someone's not going to take a chance. They can't get you in through admissions, all that kind of stuff. But it's very interesting watching a lot of these guys. 99%. It's almost like you're waiting for their story. They, they start to introduce a the story. They're interviewing them and they'll tell them. And they're like, dad was either arrested, in jail, yeah. behind, you know, behind bars, did something where a fatherly figure was not involved. Right. And, and it's a very common theme. Like it almost feels like every single person on that team has the same story, right? Different circumstances, blah, 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 blah. But there's one person at home or there's none, or they're being raised by aunt or uncle or grandma or whatever it is. Um, and then I think about my time at CU where I used to joke that it was not me. It was very common joke to say that like at CU on campus at the time in one of, you know, 2005 to 2010, CU was like 98% white. Right. And so you went from being obviously the majority. We used to say if you're black and boulder, you play a sport. Mm. And then you walk in the locker room. And the <laughs> minute you step through that door, I'm suddenly definitely the minority.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and but I look at a lot, I'm just thinking back on a lot of those guys. And even if they didn't, they had a like a the guys that made it to that level, and you definitely you know, there were guys that weren't, and they were just tremendous athletes, but they still always kind of had someone that, and I even look at myself. I mean, my dad wasn't necessarily involved all that much, but I always had a fatherly figure that really kind of like set me straight Yep. and you needed those influences. But it's unfortunate when it doesn't happen, how, you know, it's often, I just feel like it's so overlooked and kind of what you're saying, everyone's trying it to solve is. the symptom but it is the family. And I think everything you're saying right now, as you're saying it too, I'm thinking to myself, the church has a teaching on that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it does. And, and I don't want to go too deep into it, but I do think that what's happening in our time is that people have tried to <clears throat> play rights off against the family. Yeah. So I have a right to this or that or that. And we've, we've used those to trump good, not just policy, but cultural Norms around the family, yeah. And the problem with that is that you can only have rights if you understand a thing's in nature. And so, why does it, why do human beings have a right to life, but bugs don't? Is because of the type of being, yeah, that a human yeah. being. Why when you step on an ant, you don't get arrested, right? Right. You're, that that's not a murder. Now, some of our friends in Boulder are probably questioning that right that's now. Right. We might just For lost. Sure. We've lost ten sure. listeners. That's right. But, but traditionally, the answer for this, and for me, it makes perfect sense. It doesn't mean you can be reckless with everything, but it means you, that things are treated by, because of what they are. Yeah. Part of what a human being is, is a human being thrives in a family. Yep. With a mom and a dad, Ben Shapiro and Ryan Anderson and others. Excuse me, Ryan Anderson used to love to quote Barack Obama on this. President Obama, before he flipped his stance on gay marriage, by the way, he used to talk all the time about the greatest crisis in America was a crisis of fatherhood. Yep. And if we could just get fathers to be good dads, to stay at home, to love their wives and their kids, we would fix tons of problems in the United States, but he caved, he caved to the, to the left narrative that no, we can't do that because really what we have to do is whatever anybody wants, as long as they're not killing anybody, Yeah. then we have to let them do that. And to do not, and to not do that means you're a tyrant. It's really unintelligent and it leads to rights have become in our culture. I get to do whatever I want to do and no one can tell me otherwise, as long as I'm not really harming someone totally. else. And that's just nonsense. What was today's topic about? Oh, that's deep stuff. Wait, one last guy wait, just to finish on original sin. And yeah. So for all of our listeners out there, I think if, if there's one thing I could give you today, politics does matter. I used to be much cooler on politics and I've learned these things really do matter, but I will still say what to, to make things right on earth. The only person who can make things right is God Yep. to try to, the illusion that you and I can perfect our society or that, uh, or our humanity apart from God is foolishness. The most important thing you can do in your life is to allow God to redeem your soul. Yep. And when that happens, it has consequences for society in the best of poss- best possible way. So the most important work you can do as much as I like Archbishop Shapu is a huge advocate for Christians being vocal in the public square. And I agree with him. We need to do that. But I would say first, the most important thing you can ever do in your life is to become holy. Uh-huh. And it's to be plugged into your parish is to have real Christian friendships is to be a good mom and a good dad, a good husband, a good wife be a good priest. Those things are more important than what you can do for our culture, because that's, if you can't do that, you're actually not going to help our culture. That's right. There you go. There you go. And we're off the Patrick any story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually want to see you write that now. That'd be a great book. I'll read it.
0: And we're off. Well, you have to because you do the forward for it. No, no. Um, wow. Yeah. It's definitely a heavy, a heavy topic. And I think it just, it really just kind of like, it pains me just, and again, cause I'm not perfect by any means. I'm not holy. I'm not any of that kind of stuff, but no. I do see the writing on the wall of, <laughs> um, if it, like, if we could just get more people to become Catholic and really practice it and not be extreme on either. And yeah, but the, the church has something to say about it that really could put us in a spot. And it's just so frustrating that feeling that you get that when you're out there in the public square and you say, I am Catholic, the instant judgment of, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not going to like me because I'm this, that, and the other blah, blah, blah. And it goes back to previous episodes of just saying like, look, brother, I love you. I don't condone what you're doing. Yep. You know, but if we can get that message out there of what, of what the church teaches and primarily like how you say it. And really it just, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, and so it's so frustrating because it's like, you want to just shake someone and be like, dude, are you kidding? But we're so far away from that.
1: And, and just this whole topic, laws can't fix our country. If you, if, if you just because a prison has lots of laws for the inmates, doesn't make that a perfect society.
0: Right. Totally.
1: Right. If, you can't. And the founding fathers saw this. There's a bunch of quote from the founding fathers of the of the United States. I don't mean the church fathers, but the founding fathers of the United States. They all knew this, and they talk about this all the time. George Washington talks about this: that no amount of laws can make a good nation out of bad and immoral people. Yes. If you had a country that was all, um, not going to say it. There's one country that has a history like this. I won't say it though. But if you had a, if you had a prison, a bunch of laws aren't necessarily going to make That a great place to live. Yep. What makes it good is if your soul is what it should be. That's right. If you have not just not just if you're going to be punished if you're killing someone, but if you have a soul that's ruled by anger and entitlement, it's really you can't you cannot invent enough laws to keep pace with things. That's right. The only way that a society a society a society can really function is if people are good. So it has to be. That's why religion again is at the heart of of these things. Yes, you can be a good person if you're not religious, but it's kind of hard for us at the end of the day to say, to, to really just say, I'm just going to live a good moral life. And there's really no intrinsic value to it. It's just kind of what you do. Um, okay. We've gone forever. Thanks for listening to us today. Grant R A N T at Lords, Denver, L O U R D E S Denver.org. We've gotten some great emails. We're going to respond to those. I'm already fine. I was
0: just thinking that we have a few that we need to respond
1: to right now. I think five in my inbox. I need to respond to. So thanks for emailing us. We will get back to you. Peace. And we're out. Shalom. (laughs) (laughs)